With the technologies we have, with the partnerships we have, we all can really build a better world together. The time to act is now and we can all make a difference and we will be able to see the impact of that difference, which is really exciting to me with the technologies like Gen AI, the ERP technologies that we have. It is really a great time to make a difference. So start now. Welcome to the Future of ERP podcast. My name's Richard Howells, and I'm a Vice President for Thought Leadership for SAP's ERP, Finance and Supply Chain Solutions. Today, I'm going to be discussing the findings of a recent study, ERP in the Eco-Organization. And to do so, I'm joined by the co-authors of the study, Mihir Gore and Stacey Short from IBM, and Darielle Dawn from SAP. Could you introduce yourselves and say a little bit about why this topic of sustainability is important to you? So my name is Mihir Gore. I'm the IBM SAP CTO looking after sustainability. I worry about my kids. I worry about the future. I worry about the fact that we live in a very unequal world and it's going to get worse with climate change. I grew up in soldier housing, so I know how difficult that can be. But I look forward and look at the figures and I look at the statistics coming through the UN, for example, and the figures are quite alarming. They can't be dismissed anymore. It's really high time we acted. Stacey? Thanks, Mihir. I'm Stacey Short. I'm the vice president responsible for the partnership with SAP. And I'm concerned about this because I grew up living on the coastline and I'm raising my family there now. And we've watched the rising sea levels and the replenishment efforts over the years. And really now we must act in order to save these special places. Daryl. Hey, thanks, Stacey. I'm Daryl Dunn. And I'm very, very passionate about this topic. I was an activist when I was younger and I've come to embrace that the way we make sustainable change happen is through our business um, engagements and IBM and SAP working together and helping business and business transformation across ecosystems is something that I think is how we get to building a more sustainable world. Thank you. And yes, you just need to watch the news every day to hear about freak storms are happening. So all of the climate change uh, effects are really impacting everybody on a daily basis. So, Darielle, maybe I'll start with you. Could you tell us a little bit about the study, who participated, who you reached out to, and why now is a good time for this study? But the results are definitely timely. Thanks, Richard. I really believe we need to build a better world together. And part of that together is reaching across our corporate lines and partnering with companies and partners like IBM to uncover how we can build a sustainable world together. So with the IBM Institute for Business Value, we used Oxford to survey the C-suite. So there was about 2,125 business leaders in the C-suite who were knowledgeable of their organization's sustainability efforts. And we found some incredible findings here from across industries where there was commonalities about companies and people who were doing this well and where companies struggled. So just some interesting things that we found in organizations that we called enabled. We found that customers, just to understand within this environment, that 79% of our buyers are changing their preferences based on sustainability of companies. We know that globally, investors, 50% of all professionally managed assets could be ESG mandated by 2025. For employees, 90% of employees involved in sustainability work implied 
that a company's ESG efforts enhance job satisfaction. People care. And companies are nothing but the people that work for them, work with them. And of course, regulators. There are over 600 ESG standards and frameworks that currently exist. And there is just more and more data out there, not just compelling events and reasons why to do this, but that it is essential to a business's success and to their business transformation. And so I was wondering, maybe here, if you have any other insights that you wanted to share. Yeah, I think the results were quite well, actually. We had, those, like you say, 2,125 business leaders surveyed. 15% were prioritizing environmental sustainability, implementing concrete actions, well-publicized plans, making sure that the stakeholders are engaged all the way through. And believe it or not, their results are way higher than their peers. This cohort of visionary leaders, we call them the enablers, as you say, were prioritizing environment improvement all the way above top line, bottom line, and now what we call the green line. But in the same survey, we also had the you know, retractors or the reluctance, shall we say, around 36% were struggling to execute on that vision. They had plans, but nothing to execute with. So this is where there's opportunity to help them. And we can see where there's opportunity to see how technology can help them along that sustainability ambition. I love the way that you broke them up into the enabled and the reluctant. So maybe we can discuss some of the traits of the enabled companies, the top 15% companies around sustainability. Sure, Richard. I think the enable put an emphasis on ERP, right? And what we found is they experienced profitability over performance 46% more than the reluctant group we were just talking about. And we've really identified four essential traits or elements of the enabled organizations and what determines their financial success. The first being around strategy. They have an environmental strategy that's all in from an organizational commitment, and it's really aligned to specific targeted outcomes. The second is they really have a spirit of innovation and transformation that's also applied to their environmental goals. The third trait we see is their culture. It inspires and rewards actions and drive measurable improvements. And then the fourth trait is really around the technology and the ability to deploy it, to accelerate the environmental progress, and by setting their strategic priorities and applying really data and insights and leveraging innovation to accomplish those goals. Do you see this as a top-down approach, a bottom-up approach, or is it a team game where everyone in the company needs to get involved in the sustainability initiatives? I think in the organizations in the ABLE category, it's an all-in game. It comes from the top, it comes from the bottom. Tone is definitely set at the top, but you have an engaged organization. You have employees who want to participate, and part of that comes from setting a very clear agenda around it and strategic priorities, and then actually measuring these outcomes. That's what we mean around that trade around an all-in organizational commitment. And if I can add to that, Richard, what we're also seeing and hearing is that when companies invest in sustainability and sustainability transformation and they modify and they adjust their business processes, their business process then enable their employees to gain access to change. They can actually participate in the change make smart decisions, whether it's from a procurement or facilities or anyone in your organization, once you enable sustainability within your ERP system, 
you enable the visibility for employees top down to be able to see the impact of their actions, which we found in our study and in others, how impactful that is and how much that accelerates the difference in the change. Well, it fits in perfectly with the statistic you mentioned earlier about 90% of employees wanting to work for a sustainable company. But if they can see that they're making a difference as well and they can actually impact the company's sustainability goals, it's a double win, I would imagine. Okay, so when we talk about sustainability at SAP, we talk about zero emissions, zero inequality and zero waste. And holistic steering and reporting. Oh, that's right. Of course, that goes across all three. I'd like to... uh, focus on the zero emissions. We talk about scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions. And scope one and scope two are sort of within the control of a company. It's really those scope three emissions, the ones within the supply chain, the ones with their suppliers and their suppliers' suppliers and their logistics providers that are really the difficult ones to, to, to capture. So how are you seeing companies gathering that information and getting to the point of, of driving with real-time information? Yeah, I'll have a go at that one. Um, so Greenhouse Gas Protocol, established some years ago, defines scope one, two, and three. And as you correctly point out, scope one and two are within the organization being direct and indirect emissions. It's a tough challenge to gather that data. A lot of organizations have data silos. And if, in fact, some of the data is hidden and not necessarily visible in the corporate reports, so surfacing that data itself is a challenge. But add to the challenge further, you go to scope three, which is outside the organization, looking at the carbon footprint, upstream and downstream. There are, in fact, 15 categories of scope three, ranging from travel and distribution or transportation distribution and business travel as well. All of that is now becoming regulatory, challenging for companies to start to report accurately with actuals, with real-time data, with no more averages, no more estimates. It has to be real-time and something that's auditable and gives assurance that the information being collected is reliable and truthful. And so where we have to think about this is that all of this information is has to be collected. SAP solutions obviously are there with ERP S4HANA, but with the solutions such as SAP Data Exchange, SAP Data Sphere, and the 3.0 the strategy we outlined before, the composite solutions of all of those things together help us extensively to address the Scope 3 challenge. And Mihir, just to add to that, one of the things that I found compelling about the study and the addition, other work that IBM and SAP have done separately is that the data required to create these actuals, like you said, it, it's quite comprehensive. Um, right now, I think the industry is saying that in some cases, the averages are up to 40% off. There is like, can you imagine running your corporate finances with a 40% variance day to day, whether or not you have money in the bank or not? I mean, as a mom, I can't run my house like that. I can't imagine being able to run a business like that. So when we look at these scope three emissions, I think, as you pointed out me here, and these ERP systems, our ERP system is the way that having managed the financial systems in global, complex financial worldwide scope for companies down to the penny, SAP is really well positioned to help companies manage their carbon data. Absolutely. And I think just to add to that, the statistics from the survey revealed that the enabled companies who have really had the vision to do this were 41% more likely to engage not only internally, but externally with public transparency over their reluctant counterparts. And the benefits are quite clear because they also achieve benefits from a 
organizational change perspective. They have to carry the business with them as they transform and become much more sustainable by design. And 72% of the enabled respondents actually achieved organizational change benefits because they were able to engage their business from the get-go. It's pretty clear that the enabled companies have a better understanding of the importance of sustainability and they are seeing the benefits of that. How do they organize themselves to enable themselves to meet sustainability goals and mandates coming from all directions, whether it be their own mandates of goals that they've set to be carbon neutral by a certain date, or even governmental and regulations that are coming in every day? Yeah, I think Mahir touched on that. They look at it from an organizational perspective because they recognize without people, processes, and the systems organized behind them, they cannot reach the sustainability goals because they cannot effectively measure, monitor, or act upon the data. So they need to activate the depth of the connection. That's not simple, but what the business leaders do in the enabled is they really replace siloed organizations and attitudes with a more collaborative culture. And I think to reiterate the point that Mihir made, what they do is 72% of these organizations really make those organizational changes that support sustainability strategies. And then 26% really found during this process, they really discovered the modifications that were required to make a more collaborative culture. So I think you see a lot of change management impact and benefit coming from having a clear understanding around the goals here. That change management as well is not just good from a sustainability perspective. Breaking down the silos within a business is good in general. I mean, to reduce risk, which is a challenge of companies today. Agreed. So we're in the future of ERP podcast. So how can ERP systems help when it comes to managing sustainability goals? This is the one question which really gets me excited because I think we have solutions to hold, right? The data points are clear and the context is clear. There's a lot of momentum behind this, but the good news is that we have technology solutions available at hand, deployable, ready to go, and additive to our current digital transformation agenda. So we know that there's all sorts of transformation initiatives companies are on with this journey to cloud and now more recently journey to AI. But with the onset of uh, modern ERP with the likes of S4HANA, for example, And alongside that, you've got sustainability solutions that are additive and interoperable and integrated in a composable ERP architecture. What we're beginning to see is that those enabled companies especially are taking advantage of these new digital technologies to go after the heat map. If you think about the heat map literally and metaphorically from a a capability perspective, you take the component business models, for example, identify areas in the value chains that are high emissions, for example, or high waste generating, or have areas around concern around inequality, you have solutions in place. So 94% of those enabled companies are leveraging the power of new ERP to go after areas of concern, for example, in manufacturing, going after material mix, or looking at vendors in the supply chain. In fact, 31% of those companies say that ERP is really helping them directly achieve the sustainability goals in labor management, for example or even in the case of transparency and data and ability to act on data in real time. Even more statistics help us to show that this journey is only going to get faster and smarter because now with AI on the today and in the future, we can automate a lot of data collection, aggregation, data quality challenge, and also the ability to act. So we say record, report, and act. Record and report is something we can do quite readily 
the trick is how do you act on insight in real time that is having a material impact on your value chain? So like I say, this is getting me energized, but I do think the technology is there to make it happen. You mentioned one of the technologies that is coming up on every podcast that I hear and every podcast that we do at the moment, AI. Where do you see AI playing a role when it comes to sustainability? I mean, we've got all this data. How can I AI identify patterns in that data to better run our businesses in general, but from a sustainability perspective in particular? I think we see a lot of organizations asking us that question right now. And so just some you know, current examples that we're working on in the mills and mining industry, we're actually using AI and Gen AI to really help define the standards and the protocols around the standards for the mining industry in particular. And then when I look at what we're doing with a couple of the large oil and gas companies, we're actually using some AI around a sustainable product ledger for them and helping understand the emissions around different products. We're seeing a lot of current examples where it can really help. And it's certainly been, just since we've written the report, certainly been a major change of the importance in factoring in this additional technology to support sustainability goals. Yeah, Stacey, I was just going to add to that. We just ran our Sappophone event in IBM this summer. We've announced some of the winners, and a lot of the winners are focused heavily on Gen AI, especially around not only automation, which we're familiar with, but also taking advantage of AI through conditional data logic. And now with generative AI, you have this interactive experience with a bot. I know SAP are coming out with Joule. We have Watson Assist, IBM Watson Assist baked into the, the fabric there. What this gives us is the extensive productivity gains through AI. So now you're in a position to really start to not only get insight on data, which we're already looking to achieve, but really start to trigger automation on the back of that insight through AI. So now if you look at the use cases, they're mounting up. We just did a quick survey across our practitioners, and we find that there are over 65 use cases that are just coming through specifically on sustainability whether it be transportation management or demand forecasting or predictive maintenance, energy management. The list is extensive and I can spend another couple of hours on that alone. But it is exciting to see that the convergence of this technology is really making a difference as we start to tackle some of these sustainability challenges uh, head on. So we often talk in this series about the fact that sustainability and profitability are not mutually exclusive. But You've spoke to 2,000 plus companies. So what are the findings of the survey showing? How can environmental sustainability drive bottom line, top line and green line improvements? Well, maybe I can kick this one off and then hand it back over to, to Stacy and Mahir. So what the survey found is really a tight link between sustainability and business transformation that then leads to growth that the companies that are investing in sustainability, they are getting rid of processes, they're getting rid of things that no longer serve their company and acting in a more sustainable way to, as Mihira has earlier said, record, report, and then not and act on their goals what leads to better financial outcomes. Overwhelming me, the majority of the enabled companies self-reported higher profits and growth than the reluctant group. And Stacey, Mahir, maybe you want to get into a little bit more of the details. Yeah, I'll give a couple examples and then Mahir can as well. I mean, just take manufacturing. What they do is they certainly tighten those 
uh, manufacturing areas to reduce costs. They look at how they can source better for emission reduction, how they can reduce waste and really lower their downstream input costs. Uh, they also look at the way they develop products and how they can limit carbon emissions there. And then also looking at the leverage of single-use material that can certainly be deconstructed at the end of its lifespan. So that's one example. I think another is really emphasizing sustainability for business resiliency. And what we see here is really enabling commerce by extending uh, sourcing solutions that help organizations look at future supply chain and geopolitical risk. And at the same time, they really look at changes that can reduce costs in a crisis so they can focus on new revenue opportunities and get sort of ahead of their competitors. So I think those are two examples. I mean, here you probably have a few more. Yeah, absolutely. And just to extend what you were saying, Stacey, I, I was talking earlier about the convergence of technology options now, and we want to innovate at scale. The, the key thing is we're now gear significantly as we start to compete and technology is a massive enabler. So start to look at conceiving and adapting new business models, take advantage of technology to drive new business revenue streams, and study how products are delivered, sold, and serviced. Think about the end of life. Think about how they are used in the customer context, rental reuse, and moving to this kind of product as a service concept where you know, the manufacturer or the developer of the product can then take a complete holistic view of the entire lifespan of that product. We call it cradle to gate or cradle to cradle is a way to start to look at circularity in the round. And that whole untapped sustainability first set of opportunities is now becoming important in the sea level. And one more example is when we look at materials and also to a customer in textile industry recently, and we know that textiles have a very large um, carbon emission footprint, but the ability to track, collect, reuse, recycle, reduce even the consumption of non-reusable uh, components in the textile industry is a huge opportunity. And again, all driven through the combination of data, process, workflow, and automation as well. This requires optimization through investments, but as long as we can see that line of sight between investment today to protect the ecosystem of tomorrow through return on investment, the top line, bottom line, and the green line, I think that's where we have the maximum value. I love the way that you talked through the full life cycle of a product all the way from designing it, which is a key element for sustainability because you can design a lot of the waste out of the process, a lot of the emissions out of the process, right on how you design and manufacture that product all the way through to end of life of the decommission from design to decommission of that product and how it can be recycled, repurposed or reused. So we have one final question that we ask all of our guests. If you could summarize in a sentence or two, what is the future of ERP? And I, you can fight amongst yourselves to see who goes first for this one. So I can go first from owning the collaboration and partnership with SAP. I will talk about one around the ecosystem. The future looks like full engagement of the ecosystem. So aligning with your ecosystem partners to really drive sort of data standards and communication protocols that really help all of us achieve sustainability targets and outcomes. So that means sustainability is a team sport, not only within your organization, but with everyone that you work with as well. 100%, yes. Mihir? Yeah, I'll take that further and add just a bit more on the technology side, which again is my sort of forte. I love to see the fact that we're democratizing development. We have the citizen developer concept through BTP, Business Technology Platform. We're now able to expand the reach of innovation beyond the technical domain. 
and actually give it to the business to run with. Business-led transformation, that's the one that succeeds. And we know that this is a commercial imperative, it's a ecological imperative. So with sustainability as your sort of North Star goal, the technology is there and more exciting now that we have AI in the mix. I think there's all, everything to play for. The only limitation is our imagination. I like that. Ariel. So I just encourage all of the listeners, you know, whether you're in the C-suite or you're a developer, or you're an intern, start now. There's no time to waste. It can seem overwhelming. We have so many things that are happening in the world and in our work, but we need to start now. I'll share a personal reason why. Earlier this summer, we had planned a sort of family reunion. My mom is getting quite old and it was our chance to get together. We had the reunion in an area where the wildfires came through. And the local fire chief had said that it was like fighting a hundred years of fires in one week and we were evacuated and it never happened. And a month later, my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer. We never are going to get that opportunity again. And there is no time to wait, no matter how small your effort or how overwhelming it seems with the technologies we have, with the partnerships we have, we all can really build a better world together. This is the time to act is now and we can all make a difference and we will be able to see the impact of that difference, which is really exciting to me with the technologies like Gen AI, the ERP technologies that we have. It is really a great time to make a difference. So start now. Darielle, I have absolutely nothing to add to that statement. Thank you. So Mihir, Stacey, Dariel, thanks very much for a great conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you, Richard. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Richard. No problem. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll include a link to the study ERP in the Eco-Conscious Organization in our show notes. But please mark us as a favorite and you can get regular updates and information about future episodes. And until next time, from Mihir, Stacey, Darielle and I, thank you for discussing the future of ERP.